After nearly 10 years of marriage to a man she'd once found charming, Christine Daddle couldn't take it any longer. It was September 2022 in Covington, Louisiana. They'd gotten into a violent fight, and she'd had enough. She said that her husband was no longer the man that she had fallen in love with. He was abusive. He was narcissistic. He was having an affair. And so one night they had a fight. It turned violent. She packed up her things. She got in her car, a Mercedes C300 sedan, and drove five hours away to where her daughter lived. That's Kashmir Hill, who covers technology and privacy for The New York Times. She spoke with Christine for a recent story. After Christine fled her home, she filed a domestic abuse report with the police and broke off contact with her husband, ignoring hundreds of his texts and calls. She's trying to separate herself from him and not give him any information about herself. And then she's driving her car and she gets this weird message that comes up about a location-based service. And she ignored it. It happened again. She took a photo. And then when she looked it up online, she realized it was her husband tracking her through the car. And it was part of this service called Mercedes Me, which is an app that people can download who own Mercedes vehicles. And you connect the app to your car and it lets you, you know, turn on the car remotely, see where it is. Let's say you forgot where you parked, you know, turn on the lights, uh, honk the horn. You can see all the conveniences of an app like this, but It was being weaponized in Christine's case. Um, A detective looked into this. There was evidence it was happening, like her husband showed up one night outside of a friend's house where she was, and he sent the friend a message. It was a male friend. He sent the, the guy a message with a thumbs up emoji, and she was really frightened. She felt like her life might be in danger. Christine contacted Mercedes, hoping the company could block her husband's access to the car's location. The detective working on Christine's case also reached out, telling the company that Christine's husband was violating a protective order that she had against him. And the response that Christine and the detective got was that the vehicle was in her husband's name. Um, The title was in his name. He was the owner of the car, uh, even though Christine was the one making payments on it and had been awarded the car by the judge during divorce proceedings. Mercedes was still not able to help her. And when I started talking to domestic violence experts, they said this has happened quite a lot, that these features are being weaponized against women who might not even know the car has an app. And when they go to the car manufacturer to say, help me, you know, stop my car from giving information about me to my abusive partner, they are not able to get any help from the car manufacturers. So today on the show, cars are supposed to be the ultimate ticket of freedom, a sanctuary on the road. But now, thanks to fast-evolving tech, all that privacy is getting stripped away. I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about tech, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. So to back up, I want to get a sense of how much data cars today are collecting about drivers? Like, what are some of the features now that cars have and what's some of the data that they're collecting? 
A lot of experts call cars now smartphones with wheels or smartphones on wheels because they are capable of a lot of data collection. They have a lot of sensors. Many modern cars have cameras on the outside. They have cameras on the inside. They have microphones. They have seat sensors that, you know, detect how much you weigh when you sit down. Very disturbing. Um, Many cars are keeping track of how hard you break, how hard you corner, how fast you go, um, the trips you take, how long they last. There is a lot of data collection happening. And honestly, I don't think many people really understand the extent of mm-hmm. the data collection or where it goes or how it's getting used. So that's a, a big concern for a lot of privacy experts right now is just what exactly is going on with our cars. What's going on isn't great. When researchers at the Mozilla Foundation looked at the data collection and privacy policies for 25 car companies last year, they found all 25 collected way too much personal data, making cars the worst product category they had ever reviewed. Did Christine even know that there was this feature on her car? Like, for example, you know on your phone you have location tracking, and I'm sure if I was like running out in the middle of the night to escape someone abusive that was on my location, my Find My app, I would quickly turn it off. Um, But do people know that there are these features on their cars? I mean, I think some people know and some people don't. Christine did not realize there was an app for the car that could be used to do this, to turn it on and off, to track the location. She did not know until she got that message. And the reason it seems like she got that message is that he was trying at that moment to track her. Uh, And so the message came up. And I think this is the case for a lot of women, according to domestic violence experts, you know, they don't know that there's an app for the car. And so they don't realize they could be tracked this way. Um, If they do know there's an app, they're just not getting help from car manufacturers to kind of turn off that app's access to information about the car. So one expert, Adam Dodge, he's a basically a digital security trainer for people that are trying to get out of abusive relationships. And he called this a blind spot, both for the car manufacturers and for victims of this kind of tracking. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, you need a a tech expert to help you flee from an abusive partner. That is really, really scary. Um, I wonder if domestic violence shelters are starting to think about this too. I know. So I talked to the chief executive of the domestic violence hotline and she said, you know, this is on their mind, all kinds of all kinds of smart devices that are in the home that can be used to spy on people um, are a concern, mm-hmm. but that cars are a particular concern because a lot of times they're trying to keep the location of a domestic violence shelter secret right. because they yeah. don't want, they don't want, you know, abusive partners to know where their victims may have fled to. So it's particularly concerning that cars could be tracked. So to get back to Christine, I mean, did she ever get help? What happened with the situation there? So Christine called Mercedes, the detective working on her case called Mercedes, and they could not get help from the car company. And so what she ended up doing was going to a private mechanic and she paid $400 so that he could locate the kind of device within the car that was enabling this kind of tracking. And he, uh, he, he kind of pulled it out and it did stop the ability to track the car. It also disabled the car's navigation system and the ability to press a button, an SOS button to 
get help in an emergency. But she said, you know, I didn't care. I just didn't want to be tracked. But it's this larger problem, right? Like there should be a way, she said, to push a button in the car that says, I don't want information leaving this car. I want to turn the app off. Right. But there was no way for her to do that without this kind of like hardware intervention that kind of breaks the car a bit. Yeah. Why is it so hard to turn off tracking? Like I mentioned the iPhone Find My app earlier. It's super easy now to use to to turn it off. I mean, are car manufacturers talking about this or working on this under pressure? Yeah, I mean, I I saw that GM has been thinking about this with OnStar and that they have come up with a kind of easier way to, say, turn off location tracking for a car. Mm -hmm. But I don't think a lot of car manufacturers have. And I think part of it is that they just haven't historically been data companies. They were making vehicles. When they thought about safety, they were thinking, does your airbag work? Do your seat belts work? You know, if something goes wrong with the car and we need to, to do a recall, we need to be able to get in touch with you. They weren't kind of thinking about these digital security questions, surveillance questions. So honestly, I just, I don't think that car companies' practices have caught up with the kind of internet connectivity and data collection that they have started doing just in recent years. When we come back, if cars are smartphones on wheels, who should have the right to hit Do Not Disturb? So in your reporting, you mentioned another case, um, a woman in this case who filed a lawsuit uh, against her husband and against Tesla um, for tracking her in the car. Can you can you talk more about that case? Yeah, so this is a woman in San Francisco. She filed the suit anonymously. Um, She said that her husband was tracking her via the Tesla app, but also that he was using it to harass her, that he was, you know, making the car, he was turning it on and running the air condition when it was winter. He was turning it on and running the heat when it was summer. You know, she had various allegations about what he was doing through the app. Um, He denied it. Tesla said, hey, some of the things you're describing, you can't actually do through the Tesla app. Mm -hmm. I reached out to Tesla about this. Tesla kind of um, is one of those companies that doesn't always respond to journalists and they didn't respond to me. Um, But in their legal filings defending themselves, they basically said, hey, like, this isn't our responsibility. You know, this is between two people and it's not really our responsibility as a company to sort out any case of alleged abuse and to figure out if it's true. Um, And a judge actually basically agreed with Tesla and dismissed them from the case and said it would be onerous to expect the many car companies that all have these apps for their cars to have to sort out every time somebody complains to them that they're being abused through an app. Right. I guess it's not the judge's place to say that Tesla should install some features to make it easier for estranged partners to disconnect from apps. But it seems like this isn't the kind of thing that's going to get fixed by the courts then. And Tesla hasn't really addressed this in the domestic violence um, context, but there have been people who've raised concerns about privacy with Teslas. You know, Mm -hmm. there was this one Reuters report about how photos taken by Teslas, you know, are shared back with the company and that they, you know, employees were looking at them and sometimes it'd be like a naked person walking by their car and um, these kind of intimate images. And Tesla has said, you know, if you're worried about privacy, you can turn off some of this information gathering, but that it will make your 
your car less safe because these kind of information collection features are all wrapped up with security features. And I think that that is a very difficult question to say, well, if you want privacy, then your car is going to be less safe. Well, yeah, but I mean, couldn't a car maker separate the features that would make you less safe from like the features that would let your estranged partner stalk you, theoretically? Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think this very basic question of does my car need to know where I am? Does my car need to let other people know where I am? That this seems like a basic thing where you could just you should just be able to turn this off. Like, I don't want my car to report where I am right now. Off button. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, this is America. We're supposed to get in our cars and be free. We're supposed to go on the road with Jack Kerouac and like go wherever. No one's supposed to find us. That seems like totally impossible thing now. Right. That's the dream that's getting sold. I mean, the de- the detective who worked on Christine's case was interesting because she was very frustrated. She said, you know, this isn't just Mercedes. I've encountered this with other car companies, other investigators, and I have talked about this. Like, this is a problem in the industry as a whole. And she said, you know, these features can be convenient. Like when somebody's car gets stolen and they can open an app and see where it is, like, that's great. But when it is getting weaponized like this, abused like this, car companies really need to have a way to respond to this. And especially when, you know, it's not just somebody saying I'm getting abused through the app. It's somebody saying I've got a protective order. Like I've got a restraining order. Hey, a judge has has said this is my car. And when you have people coming with those kinds of legal documents, legal protections, there really should be a way to help them. On Thursday, the Federal Communications Commission sent letters to nine major car companies, including Ford, GM, and Tesla, asking them for information on their location tracking apps and to explain whether they have a process in place for helping abuse victims. The letter also mentioned the Safe Connections Act. That's a relatively new law that makes it easier for abuse victims to separate their cell phone from a shared plan with their abuser. The FCC wrote, this law may apply to cars too. There's definitely been a push from advocates for victims of uh, abuse and violence to create you know, more ways to protect themselves from technology. Something that came up a lot when I was talking to experts was the uh, Safe Connections Act. Advocates are definitely pushing for either an expansion of that law or some kind of new law. Christine is trying to push for such a law in Louisiana where she lives that basically would you know, require car manufacturers to turn off this ability to get this data in this specific context. But I do think there's this larger context of all of us who have cars and how much information modern cars are gathering and our ability to limit that data kind of flowing out of the car or even to know about it. And I just don't think, I've, I've been working on this other story where I'm trying to figure out what data my own car is sends out and, and gets collected. And I've been kind of trying to do this for a year on and off and I still don't know. And I'm a privacy I'm a privacy reporter. I more than anyone should know how to do this. Yeah, you, that's that makes no sense. And just to pull back for a second, sometimes um discussions about privacy they they get so like heady that sometimes I think like who cares? Like yeah, I don't have privacy. Is that such a big deal? Then you listen to a story like Christine's and you realize, "Oh, yeah, it's it's extremely dangerous and important. What other privacy concerns are there with the car besides, you know, location and stalking? You mentioned my car would know how much I weigh. I don't like that. Um, Are there issues (laughs) with the insurance companies knowing about your driving habits? 
I mean, the reason the car knows how much you weigh is if you let your child, for example, sit in the passenger seat ah, in the front of the car, fine. then it wants to know, okay, this this person who's sitting here weighs 42 pounds. We better turn off the airbags. So that's why they're collecting that data. Okay. But, you know, from so many other things we've seen over the last 20 years is that often companies, once they start collecting data, they figure out other things they can do with it. And so you could imagine a future in which, you know, uh, your car sees that you're gaining weight and then tells some advertiser, oh, you better hit them up with some weight loss ads, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Huh. Or, or, oh, it looks like she might be pregnant. She really seems <laughs> to be putting on the pounds fast. Um yeah, I mean, I think the the realistic concerns at this point, I mean, what I think a lot of people worry about is, you know, what is my insurer finding out? Yeah. You know, these car companies, if they're collecting this data, they know who's a dangerous driver and who's not. Um, they could be reporting that. It was funny, I was talking to one privacy expert and he said, you know, I'm troubled that the cars are collecting this information. I'm troubled that consumers don't know where it's going. He's like, I'm more troubled that we're not acting on it, that that we know who the dangerous drivers are and that we're not going after them, which was, um, which was interesting, a different way of thinking about this. From a privacy expert, no less. He's like, fine, you have no privacy. Let's take advantage. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, so what can people do? in these situations um, for any listener out there who's thinking about fleeing from someone else or who just wants to disable some of the tracking, like what can they do besides take it to a mechanic and break it <laughs> like Christine did? I don't know. I don't know that I have a great answer to that question. I mean, one thing is, does your car have an app? Is, is Find that out. Because um, I think a lot of people buy cars and it's exciting. You're at the dealership. They're telling you all this stuff. They're like, oh, there's an app you can download. And it might just go in one ear and out the other. So figuring out whether there is an app that connects to your car is important. That way, maybe you can be signed up for it. Make sure you're the primary driver on the car as opposed to your partner. But yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not a good answer to this right now. Um, one thing I was thinking about with this story is just who owns cars? Mm -hmm. Who's on the title? Um, are you on the title for the car? If you're not, maybe you should be in, in case this does become an issue because when you go to the car manufacturer and you're asking for help, it matters to them who actually owns the car. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Sure, happy to be here. Cashmere Hill covers technology and privacy at the New York Times. And that's it for the show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell, Patrick Fort, and Anna Phillips. Our show is edited by Mia Armstrong-Lopez. Alicia Montgomery is Vice President of Audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. We'll be back next week with more episodes. I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you can catch me on Slate Money every Saturday. Thanks for listening.